Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. What a powerful prayer is encompassed in these words. Powerful commitment encompassed in these words. I often think when I read the lyric of a song like this, what must have been going through the heart and the mind of the writer. With pen in hand, with enough courage to climb the tallest mountain, ink found its way to write and make an eternal mark. And I'm very, very thankful, very, very thankful today that I can still be touched by the words of a song of this nature, whatever it takes, whatever I need to move out of the way. Hallelujah. The book of Psalms, chapter 90, the 90th Psalm, verse 9. There's a lot of things I would like to say and people I would like to think and greet. But I just feel like we need to step into the spirit of the word of God right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. It's not uncommon during a funeral service to read Psalms 90 and 10. The days of our years are three score and ten. If by reason of strength they be four score. Not uncommon to visit places like that. But Psalms 90 and 9. 90 and 9. This is what the psalmist said. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend, would you say that? We spend, we spend our years. We spend our lives as a tale that is told. And with the help of the Lord today, I want to preach from this subject as a tale that is told. I'm going to need you to help me today. Amen, I don't mean pep rally style. I just need you to connect with what the Spirit of God would say in our heart. If we just hoop and holler and you don't have a clue what's been said when we left, then we've probably wasted your time. But if you'll connect with what the Spirit wants to speak in this church, you can say amen loud as you want to. You can worship loud as you want to. Praise the Lord in any manner. But let's get it, shall we? Amen. You may be seated. It's important to note the heading of the Psalms. So when you're reading the Psalms, I think it's important to note that almost every Psalm has a heading. The 90th Psalm in particular says, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. And so this 90th Psalm then is just that, the prayer of Moses at a specific place in time. Here Moses talks to God about the frailty of mankind and about the sentence that they have been under on their wilderness journey. I want you to think about something with me, if you will. 38 years 
of this journey was most literally wasted away in the wilderness. What a sacred season of history as we would deem it because they are coming from the peril of Egypt to the promise of Canaan. But there are 38 years of these 40 years that we know very, very little about. Very little detail is recorded of what happened to them from the second year to the 40th year. It seems at least for the most part that after they came out of Egypt, their time, this particular generation's time, was most literally wasted away. These years were apparently not even deemed worthy enough to be the subject of detailed history. If you think about it, if you think about it with me, Moses capsulizes almost four decades with just five words. He said, a tale that is told. Just five words to summarize 38 years of existence. It was the consuming of one generation and the raising of another. To be sure, this is not how they left Egypt. This is not how they pulled out of Egypt. I know they came out of Egypt's bondage. And I know all about the the locusts and the flies and the the frogs and all the things that God used against Pharaoh to uh, allow him to succumb to the willingness to release these children of God. But you need to remember that, that they were given instructions to take with them the garments and gold. And, and he said, place these upon your children. And so when they came out of Egypt, they did not come out of Egypt as some battered band. They did not come out of Egypt with wounds and scars that you could see physically. But they came out with a high hand. Amen. They came out enriched by by the very wealth of Egypt. David, the 105th Psalm, verse 37, the Bible says he, talking about the Lord, brought them forth also with silver and gold. And watch this. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. (laughs) Man, they came out of this okay. And they are on their way to a promise. But we know it was what happened in that part of the promise in the their murmuring and complaining and the disobedience of Moses and if you put all of that together their lack of faith sentenced them to death not an instant death not, not a death where the earth opens and swallows them not a death where some fire falls from heaven and consumes them no, no, it was just a death of just living day after day after day and circling essentially the same mountain. And I know this has been portrayed many, many times, but with the crossing and the passing of that well-worn path year after year and decade by decade, the tombstones only grew in number. Amen, think about that. Here they were now feeble and dying. And because of that, The prayer of Moses is a reminder, or at least it should be. It is a reminder that even now, at this very hour, we are spending our years. The nature of that spending, he said, the nature of this spending is like the telling of a tale. Some of our years are pleasant, we understand that, and some of them are quite filled with challenges. And so that's why when you hear someone talk about uh, things, and I know we're all guilty of this, but we talk about how long we've been serving the Lord. Maybe 
somebody in this house could say, I've been serving the Lord 40 wonderful years. Well, I, we know what you mean by that, but that's not at all accurate. Because some of those years have been very challenging years. Now, there's been some wonderful years. There, there's been some wonderful seasons of the journey where it just seemed like we almost levitated through life. We just went without a bump. We went out without even a pebble in the way. And then there were some years that were quite challenging. And, and, uh, but one thing is for sure, whether we spend those years in pleasure or whether we spend those years in challenges, I think there is one common thread that everyone would agree in, and that is that no matter what, they were all fleeting years. Brother Everett spoke for us Wednesday night, touched our heart. One of the things that he mentioned was about how fast time is moving. And then he made mention that it seems like, he said, the older I get, the faster time seems to move. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I was already, this was already burning in my heart Wednesday night. This message was already burning in my heart. And so I took that as just one more confirmation. And, and uh, they are all, it just seems like speeding up. My wife and I were driving home after a few days away and she said, what is today's date? And I told her whatever that particular day's date was and, and uh, we just kind of looked at one another. I mean, I mean, June is for the most purposes spent. We're fixing to welcome July, the second half of 2014. It just seems like sand in an hourglass and it's slipping so quickly through our hands. I'm not here to paint your world gray or to sound morbid, but I feel like the Spirit of God wants to remind us of some things here today. Amen, one thing is for sure, these years that we're spending, this time that we're spending, they're fleeting years. And let me remind you that when they are gone, they are gone. Yesterday remains an unreachable land. It is an island that no man can return to. Therefore, we should spend our years with a great sense of diligence. I want you to think about that wording. We spend our years. In what sense then does the, does the writer say our years? That's a kind of a curious possession there, our years. It's not a single one of them that we can really call our own. We have no right to ownership. Can you say amen to that? We certainly have no authority over these years. I, I cannot control them. I cannot guide them, nor can you. The most powerful person in, a, in the world cannot even command one moment of time. Amen. We cannot control or guide or command them. And so then in what context does he say they are our years? There are years, there are years. And you may say, well, I don't know if I want those years, but we don't get to vote on that. Amen. We, we may say, I don't want that responsibility. I don't want this weight to bear down upon my soul or my spirit, but they are ours, whether we like it or not. Not one person in this room voted as to whether or not you will even be in this life. You didn't get, an, you didn't get a voice in that. Amen, that was, that was two other people somewhere else in time. You had never even met them. You had never even heard of them. And, amen, they, 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 they consummated their marriage and as an end result of that, you are the product of that consummation and you came into this world without ever even giving one voice to that decision. And then when you were born, when you were being cradled in the arms of your mother and your father and your grandparents, you were given the responsibility of years. Amen. And those years are ours to spend. They are linked to us by an everlasting relationship. Amen. They're here and they are ours for many reasons. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14, and God said, let there be lights, plural, in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs 
Now, this, you know, we get kind of struck sometimes by the star and, and we, get, we get often mesmerized by the beauty of the moon and, and we are captivated many times by the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun, but the Lord didn't put the sun in the sky to rise in the east and set in the west so that we could capture their beauty and hang that capture beauty on our wall. He didn't give that moon full to us just so that we could stand out at night and gaze. No, no, no. There, there's a lot of beauty to be beheld, but that's not at all what God had in mind. Amen. The sun and the moon were created for one reason, and that was to bring about measurement for man because time means nothing to God a day is a thousand years a thousand years is a day that does it that's not a literal uh, that doesn't literally mean a thousand years it's just a, a principle that time is nothing to God but God knew that man would need time God knew that man would need a sun to rise on his day but he also knew that man would need rest so he said I want you to set in that same day but when you said, I want the moon, moon, come here. I want you to come here and I want you to guard the night because I want you to remind man that just because the sun set in the west, hallelujah, doesn't mean that God has hidden himself or forsaken himself, but it is just to measure and mark time. And so therefore, every new day is a new gift from heaven to enjoy. And David said it this way, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Now, David didn't say just pray this prayer if you're having a good day. David didn't say just think about this, read this psalm if everything's going your way. But this is the day. This is the day. Sometimes on that this day, the birds are singing and the sky is blue. But sometimes on that this day, hey, the clouds are hanging low. Storms are looming. All is not well. But David said, nevertheless, it doesn't matter if all is well or all is want. Amen. This is the day that the Lord hath made. And it is still yet in my hands, spendable change whether I like it or not whether I am happy or sad it is spendable change in the hands of mankind and so they come filled with expectation each moment has an exact measure of mercy that we are going to need in that very hour the, the holy writ says as thy days so shall thy strength be. I will tell you today that there are men and women sitting in this congregation that have trials in your past that you thought if somebody had told you ahead of time and said this is what's going to happen to you next year or this is what's going to happen to you in six months you would have said no I can't take that there's no way that I could bear up under such a heavy load but you know what God kept one his hand one hand of mercy over your eyes over one eye. Amen. God kept his hand of mercy over one eye and just let you see enough of today to get down the road. But you know when tragedy fell or when some kind of sickness come imposing itself into your home, into your life and into your family, you're still standing. Amen. You're still serving him. You're still walking. You know why? Because he said as your days so shall your strength be. I'll give you whatever it takes. I won't let so much come on you that you won't buckle under the load or that you will be crushed to dust. No, my hand. Yay, he said many times in Isaiah, I will uphold you with the right hand of my strength. I will lead you and I will guide you. I will be with you always. And so every day is given with the exact measure of mercy. Every hour is seasoned with the proper balance of hope. Every day is a good and perfect gift. And so that's why we ought to enjoy each and every day that God gives us here on this earth. Because anything less than enjoying what God has given us is robbery. Not only of ourself, but sin against heaven. 
And so they are given to us to enjoy. Our days are given to us. Amen. They're not just ours to do what we will. They're not just ours to make our own decisions, to route our own path. They're not just ours to just forget about the will of God and just do the will of me. But our gifts, our years are to be used for the best and the most valuable thing. There are four seasons in life. Winter, spring, summer, and fall. But they are all so interconnected. Because one season's work is so connected to the next season that's coming. And so we can't just say, well, it's this particular season and I'll just do with this what I want. And then I'll do whatever I feel like then with the next season coming. No, 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 that's not how it works because you got you to gotta work this season because it's connected to the next season. Amen. You got to work during that season because that season is connected to the next season. What you do in the springtime is going to matter in the summertime. But what you do in the summertime is also going to matter in the fall. And what you do in the fall is going to matter in the wintertime. And so you got to keep, you got to be careful. You got to be, be very mindful. I, my wife and I, we enjoy sitting on our front porch in the mornings when we can. And, and uh, we, we enjoy just sitting out there and, and, and watching the birds and, and watching the squirrels. And, and those squirrels will gather those nuts and they'll have that acorn in their mouth and they'll run across the yard and they'll sniff one little place in the ground and you'll think they're going to bury that acorn there but no they they might run on somewhere I have no idea love to be able to stop them and say what was wrong with right there well they run a little further along and when they find that just right place they'll dig that hole Amen, they'll burrow it with those two little feeble hands and, and then they'll place that nut in the ground and then with their nose they'll give it about a half dozen quick nudges and then they start covering it up. But they don't just cover it up with a little soil, but then they start gathering up some little grass trimmings and, and then they pack it all down as though this never happened. This never happened. Is he just out there entertaining himself? Did he just say, I think today I'll get up and bury a few nuts? Did he say, no, no, no. He said, the Lord put something in me that said I gotta work this season. While these acorns are on the ground, I gotta gather them up because it's connected to another season coming in my life I'm spending these years I'm spending these days and I'm here today to tell you that if God gave a squirrel enough sense to know what to do with his day then where in the world is the apple of his eye I say help us today to realize that what we're doing right now is going to one day just be as a tale that is told it's today it is June the 29th. There's a lot of reasons to celebrate. It may be somebody's birthday. It may be somebody's anniversary. It may be somebody's special day. It's a fifth Sunday. A time for celebration and food and fellowship for us. That's what's on our platter right now. But when it's all filed away in the pages of history this day in all of its importance will just be as a tale that is told. They're ours to use. They're mine, whether I want it or not. Today's mine. I woke up. I have to deal with that now. And so our years, our days are like the winds of time. And so if the winds of time are blowing, then I'm, I had better not waste those winds. I had better raise the sail in my life. <laughs> I, I better raise the sail. I better see if that wind will feel that sail and move me a little closer to where God would have 
me to be. Amen. I don't want to walk out on the front porch and say, well, the spiritual wind's blowing, big deal. No, no, no. When the wind's blowing, I better grab a hold of that rope and start pulling that sail out of her fold. I better start pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling until she has reached her full measure because I need to then say, wind, feel her. Wind, feel her. And rudder, guide me. Oh, why? Why? Because my life is just as a tale that is told and I can whittle it away. I can whittle it away. I can waste it away. Or I can say, oh, Lord, help me while there is day to work. Help me while the wind is blowing. Help me now. Amen. I'm going to tell you the Bible says work while it's day. For night cometh. Night cometh when no man can work. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, we quote this first part a lot. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Oh, we quote that. We love that. Do what you're going to do. Do it right. Do it diligent. Do it well. But there's a reason for that command. There's a reason for that admonition. And that reason is found just to the right of the word might. Amen. Because he said, For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom, in the grave where you're going. Amen. Now I know that sounds a little morbid and a little bit shocking, but we're just dying men in a dying world. Amen. And so he said you better work while it is day. And when you find something to do, you better do it with everything you got. Because when you draw your last breath, there won't be no work there. There won't be any device there. There won't be any knowledge there. There won't be no wisdom there. Why? Because it's all done. The wind has stopped blowing. It is a day that is spent, a life that is spent, and it is just as a tale that's told. Amen. There is still a more important sense in which these passing years are ours. These years are ours. And ladies and gentlemen, if the book open before me is right, and it is, we are all going to stand before Him. Saint and sinner. Hear me, church. When the trumpet sounds, it ain't over. Amen. The bride of Christ is going to be called home. But we're not through talking just because we got raptured out of here. Am I right, Elder? Amen. We're not through talking. We're not just going to be plucked from this whole miserable world into the presence of God to the la, 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 la but I yet have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Am I in the book, anybody? Amen. And so my days, my days, my days, my days, my days are going to have to be accounted for. That precious gift called time. That precious gift called June 29th. 2014 that God so graciously just whispered into our spirit this morning. Amen. We're going to have to account. What did you do today? What did, what did you do today? Because you see it's passing fast and it's all just going to be as a tale that's told. Amen, it's passing fast. And so I've got to give an account for all this that I've received to whom much is given, much is required. And so what, what did you do with your life? What did you do with your day for many, many years, many years now? My, for many years prior to that, my wife tried to get me to, to keep a journal and, and uh I appreciate her tenacity about that. Even when I wasn't that interested in doing it and didn't see the uh, overreaching importance of it at the time. 
But uh, she said, you know, you need to write some of these things down. Whether it's something great happened in our life or maybe even some trial in our life. She said, you know, you ought to write that down. And so one, one year for a gift of some sort, I don't remember what the occasion was, she bought me a journal. And uh, so this, this time she wasn't asking me to do this. This time it wasn't, you know, you ought to do this. But, but I opened this gift and in this gift was this leather book and she said, now I want you to start writing it down. And so I began very diligently from that day to this day, which has been many years now. And I write down what I do or what happens in the course of a day, and, and uh, I sit down, and, and I want to tell you, it, it's, it's pretty telling. Pretty telling. Pretty telling. What did you do today? What did you do today? What did you do? Today. It's stark. It's in your face. What did you do today? Because I'm going to have to give an account for that. Every day is charged against me in the book of life. I like how one old preacher put it. He said, every moment that fills up the measure of our time comes to us like a messenger from another world. Have you got enough of an imagination that you can gather that, catch that with me? Every moment that fills up the measure of our time comes to us like a messenger from another world. Can you just picture with me that little minute running up to Bob Gibson and stand in 60 seconds and then that minute returns back to the giver of that gift and reports. It's all right to be somber. We need to get this in our spirit. Amen. We need to get this in our spirit. We've been given a gift and the giver of that gift sends messengers and they watch our lives and they report back what we've been doing with our lives. I'm gonna tell you, it leads me to an all important question. If the years are ours with such great measure of responsibility, how then are we spending them? The text says we spend our years as a tale that is told. He said we spend. I had you repeat that a moment ago. That means literally we consume our years as if we are listening to a tale that is told. If you notice, he didn't say we are listening to something important. We're listening to something sober. We're listening to some monumental moment in history, but it's more like an insinuation of we are just lending ourselves to legends. We're lending ourselves to dramas or something that fills our life with momentary excitement. Stay with me now. Here are some difficult things to process for all of us, and I'm glad everyone is in the building. I'm thankful for our youth because youth is fresh and bright. Youth is filled with hope. But let me tell you something. Some of those dreams will never be realized. Middle age is eager and optimistic, ever reaching. A lot of expectations. A lot of things we're going to do in middle age. Yet sometimes it ends in disappointment. Old age, worn, wrinkled, and covered with the dirt and the mire of life's toil, confesses, wow, life sure was swift, swift. Find any aged man or woman and ask them, I think they will agree, life moves 
just seems like yesterday I was a young woman. Seems like yesterday I was a young man. Seemed like yesterday I had strength and energy. Seemed like yesterday if I set out to do something, I could do it. Seemed like yesterday if I wanted to do it by myself or had to do it by myself, I could reach down and find some inner strength and I could pull it off, but it just withered and faded away. It just faded away. Solomon fashioned a magnificent sum of what he said, everything under the sun. Now you use your imagination because I have studied the book of Ecclesiastes with great, great diligence. And I'm going to tell you that Solomon went for it all. And he had the means to get it all. He had, the, he had everything he wanted at just the whisper. He didn't, he didn't even have to snap his fingers. He had people that would get whatever he wanted at just a whisper. Amen. But he said in the end, it was just all vanity and vexation of the Spirit. When you get it, it will not do for you what you think it's going to do. When you grab it and pull it into you, it will not do for you what you think it will do for you. Amen. Solomon was disappointed. Amen. He was disappointed perhaps. I'm not preaching against things and stuff. Amen. But he was no doubt disappointed because he mistook the proper use and the proper design for good things in life. Amen. The Lord said he would that we would be in good health and prosper even if our soul prospers. And so I don't think we've got to live in some mud hut barefoot and snaggle tooth to please God. Amen. But I tell you today that we need to realize the proper use for blessings. We need to realize the proper use for what God gives us. Amen. Therefore, because Solomon misused what God had blessed him with the ability to get because he misunderstood it. Amen. He was was disappointed. Solomon would have found no disappointment, one man said, in his houses if he had just used them for houses. He would have, he wouldn't found no disappointment in his wealth if he had just used it for wealth. But Solomon, he man, was trying so with all of his heart to fall in love with his house and fall in love with his wealth and let that be, amen, where his confidence lie. He said, I'm going to put all my trust in this and and if that house isn't big enough I'll build a bigger house and and maybe that'll do it and if that isn't enough money maybe I'll get a little bit more money a little bit more of this and more of that and he misunderstood because he was trying to put his confidence there and in light of all that success he walked away wiping his hands shaking his head and said it is all vanity and vexation of the spirit Here then is the solution to life's illusion. It is deceitful only if we use it deceitfully. Life properly understood. Gifts properly understood and honorably used is a scene of magnificent reality. A tale that is told, he said, is usually just, you know, somebody kind of slides up to you and says, come on, Have you heard? And we're almost half smiling by the time we get there. Because we know it's just just a short story. It's just something that will entertain us for just a moment. And so it's just generally, generally, I realize I'm speaking very broadly, but it's just not not often is it followed by something of great value or, or followed by something of permanent importance. It's just kind of a, you know, I want to share something with you, and that's about what it is. It, it seems to elude in this passage of Scripture a sense of idleness, and it may be a story, of, and that may be the story of some, of course, but I, I don't think that describes it, everyone. There are people in this world that are maybe the opposite of idle. They're energetic and they're hardworking, 
Amen. They, they, they get up every day and, and, and they put their hands to something. But you see, their purpose is wrong. And their aim is wrong. And their goal is wrong. Because they're just trying to get pleasure. They're just trying to get satisfaction. They're just trying to bring things into their life. They live their lives with seeming no attempt to be wise or honorable or useful. Their purpose is great ventures. And, and maybe they even accomplish a lot of good things in their life. Yet seeming the aim of all of their plans is like that man in the Bible is so that one day they can just get to a place in life where they can look themselves in the mirror and say so take thine ease for thou hast goods laid up for many years eat drink and be merry but I'm here today to tell you that it won't be satisfying it's not going to scratch that eternal itch amen we have got to realize that God has given me time and talent and gifts and ability and he is going to require at my hand a reason, an excuse. He's going to require a report. What did you do with your day? What did you do with your life? What did you do with your life? I know it's been mentioned many times but what a brief thing life is. It's, it's hard for me to say that I, I, I am no longer a middle-aged man. Because I've not met many, a few, I've not met many people 104 years old. And so if the next 52 are moving at the same rate as the last few, it's moving. Oh, it's moving. My God, is it moving. If you're 25 or 30 years old today, if the next 25 move as fast as the last 25, plus two, you're going to be standing right where I am. And so it's moving fast. Not only are, do they move fast, but it just seems that the longer we go, they get increasingly Time seems to run with speed as we grow nearer and nearer. This is a fact that no one has failed to notice. Years pass like a tale that is told. And they're only going to be useful if they have a message. They're gone beyond the possibility to recall. The past is of no profit unless we have left something behind. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want our musicians to come and singers as quickly as you can. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, get your homework. Stand. We must remember one thing. I may be preaching to people this morning that feel like you have nothing. And maybe you have nothing. I also may be preaching to people here today that feel like you have a lot. Maybe you're right. But I want you to remember one thing as they just begin to play softly. You know where we're going. Same song.
Remember one thing. That whatever you have in this world is soon going to slip from your grasp. So my word of caution today for everybody in this room and anybody who will ever hear this message, including me, is that you need to hold on to what you have. There's nothing wrong with that. But you better hold it loosely. Did you hear me? Your pastor has not walked to this pulpit and preached a message of condemnation for you to go drive a for sale sign down in your front yard when you get home today. If that's what you heard, you missed it. Hold what you have, but you better hold it loosely. A few days ago, as a matter of fact, Sister Boyd and I were on our way home from Georgia the other day. I had to make a few phone calls. I called a pastor friend of mine and while we were just in a casual conversation, he shared a story with me that a pastor friend of his shared with him. You follow me? He kind of just shared it in passing. But when he spoke these words, God dropped this message in my spirit. He said, my pastor friend told me that a few days ago he was sitting at the bedside of a, a dear saint in his church And this lady was literally living out the last few moments of her life. He said, I, I noticed as, as she lay there that her fists were clenched. In just a little while, her breast grew more and more shallow. And finally, she exhaled for the last time. And he said, brother, when she did, her hands opened. Brother Osborne, when he said that to me, I knew... You see, I had to make, I thought, a business phone call. But I knew God put me in an intersection because he said, I need to speak something to your spirit. We finished our business. I got off the phone and I had chills all over me. I looked at my wife. I said, I got to tell you what he just told me. I shared that with her and without batting an eye, she looked at me and pointed and said, you better preach about that. So I'm going to tell you today, hold on to the gifts that God gives you. But you better hold them loosely. That way it won't hurt your feelings when God needs it for another purpose. Because you see, She was holding on 
to this world. But when she drew her last breath, there was another world waiting to embrace her. <laughs> and this didn't matter. She had one more step to take, Sister Rayleigh, and that was <laughs> sweet heaven shore. She had one more hand to reach out to, and that was his hand. And so what I'm holding here won't matter there. It won't matter there. And so there's coming a day. You go ahead and make a God out of whatever you want to make a God out of. But there's coming a day you'll let it go. He Oh. There's coming a day when another world will be waiting there to reach for us. And the only thing that will matter on that day, hear me, is which world is waiting. Will you find yourself like Lazarus in Abraham's bosom? Or will you find yourself like the rich man in hell and torment? Because you see, when you let go, and we will, of the things of this world, there's another world waiting to embrace us. Because you see, all this, all we're doing, this has been one of the most important days of, in this week, certainly for me, an important day in all of our lives. But you know what? At the end of the day, Chelsea, when we fold it all away, it's a tale that is told. A tale. That is told. And so I am reaching for somebody today that you think the things you're holding on to give you your identity and give you credibility in this world. However, you may, you may find out one day it's not worth what you were putting all your hopes in. It's just going to rust. Malls are going to carry it away. You may live your life out with your fist ever so tightly clenched around those things, but one day, one day, yes, you will, you're going to lose that grip because one day death's going to walk in the room without welcome, without invitation. And to be sure, whatever you're holding on to will be released. Some hold gifts that God has given you. We've got some gifted people in this church, Brother Rayleigh. I say that humbly. We've got some wonderful people in this church. Brother Rayleigh is bring me your Bible. Bring it with you. Brother Rayleigh is as good a Bible teacher as you'll want to hear. God's given him a gift. He holds this book and this is a book dear to him. It's got writings and markings. And this is a well-traveled hold on to it. But just hold it loosely. Just hold it loosely. Because you see, one day, Brother Pope, there may be another generation. And you're going to have to hand that. What if God says, I'm going to silence you for now. Hold on to what you have, but hold it loosely. We've got some very talented musicians. and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for your gifts. Can you unplug that and walk here? I'm thankful for your gifts. Thankful for your gifts. Thankful for what God has done. Never mind, we'll come to you. Amen. I heard that guitar in a song we were singing a little earlier. I heard that guitar specifically. Hold on to it. But don't let that be your identity. Hold it loosely. Because one day, Somebody may come along and they may need that. And God may transition us to another place of service. Oh, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Is this all right? Amen. So hold it, but just hold it, hold it loosely. Hold it loosely. 
And when it comes time, or should it come time, that we have to release that. I want to know that's not where my identity is found. (laughs) I don't want these guys to go anywhere. God's blessed us with such great gifts. But you see, I'm not going to embarrass you, but come here. But you see, I got to hold the Osborne family. But here's the hard part. I have to hold them loosely. Because <laughs> they're not mine. We're just a gift. <laughs> In a few weeks, Josh and Jane Townsend will be leaving our church. His jobs transferred him to another state in North Carolina. I wasn't going to say anything about that today because we're going to say more about that on their last Sunday. Oh, when they came to church here, we just, we just lit up. It's not hard to love Josh and Jane, their children. They were a gift. So I had to sit in my office. Hear them tell me about their job and promotion and transfer. Sister Mary, I had to sit there with no tears in my eyes while my heart was hurting inside. They were mine. They were ours. But you see, I just had to hold them loosely because... In the big picture, God only had them here for a season. So I could hold them, but I have to hold them loosely. Now, my wife is not as good at hiding tears as I am. She bawled like a baby. Tried to guilt trip them, and we've done everything we know to do. But we went home together and cried together. But they're not ours. Sister Pope, they're not ours. To hold them loosely. Hold them loosely. I asked my son this morning to go around the congregation and gather me up as much cash as he could because I wanted to use some cash as an illustration. He came back to my office, gave me some of the most disappointing news This is sad, this is sad, this is sad. He comes back to my office, he said, Dad, nobody carries cash. He said, I've been around all around the church. I said, well, how much you got? He said, well, if I'm adding up your $320, I had to give 100 of that myself. $220, you poor folks. I wanted $10,000 in cash. It's probably here. So God blesses you, Brother Pope. Now, this is not yours. This is an illustration. When God blesses you, hold it because we're responsible. I gotta be a steward. I gotta be wise with that. But hold it loosely. Hold it loosely. Because there may be a missionary from Argentina that stands in that pulpit and the Spirit of God says, Alan, give them $100. Don't you sit around and argue about that. Yes, sir. I was holding it. I was holding it loosely. Y'all see how smooth I got my money back? Hold it loosely. Let God bless you, Adrian. 
Hold it. But hold it loosely. Everett, let God bless you. Let him give you whatever he'll give you. But hold it loosely. I feel the Spirit of the Lord. I feel the Spirit of the Lord that's sweeping in this place today. Hallelujah. Saint of God, you ought to make an altar where you stand or find a place to pray. I wouldn't walk over the atmosphere of this service. I wouldn't step over what God is trying to speak into our spirit, into us as a church, maybe to you as an individual. I wouldn't step over this. I wouldn't brush this message aside. I wouldn't count this as just one more sermon. But I think I would get somewhere with God and let God speak something into my heart. I feel like I know what God is trying to say to us. I think for many in this building, that thing you're holding, you know what it is. That thing that you think gives you all power and identity and that thing you think you can't live without. Maybe even that thing you know is keeping you from the relationship with God that you desire and he desires. You may even know what it is. But you see, it's the spirit of Solomon. We built it in our heart for the wrong reason. We thought it was going to bring peace, hope, help, happiness. And you're afraid that if you push that aside that you won't have peace and contentment. But I want to tell you, you won't push anything out of the way and you won't give up one thing for God that you'll be disappointed in. Not one thing. Not one thing. Nothing. Nothing. I've said this so many, many times. It's not original to me. But you won't have to give up anything to serve God and go to heaven that you will not eventually have to give up to go to hell. And people say, I just can't give up this partying lifestyle. You will one day. You will. There won't be no partying in hell. You'll give it up one day. I can't give up all that just to serve God. You'll give it up one day just to go to hell. I feel in my heart to say something, and this is a message that is not mine. I'm not even remotely going to try to take credit for this thought. I just want to leave it with you. If I thought I could find it real quick, I'd read the scripture. But, I, but the, in, in the building of Solomon's temple, the scripture talks about two columns that are on the front of that temple. They were even named. One of them, I think, was Jathan, I believe. Boaz. Boaz. Jathan and Boaz. And then the, the Bible talks about the dimensions of these columns and they were massive if, if I remember correctly they may have stood nearly 40 feet tall and then on top of the columns the scripture talks about lily work and then the scripture says this and with the lily work was the, was the temple complete and with the lily work was the temple complete for common man, you couldn't stand on the ground, Brother Toby, and see what was on the top of that column. I heard Brother Jerry Jones preach a message on this, and 
And his point was just, just this. There are some things that God does not reserve for the applause of men. But there are some things God requires because he wants it for himself. God, Brother Royal, could look down and see the lily word. <laughs> but you know what? When he required the lily work, Brother Pope, that meant somebody had to do it. So when the queen of Sheba came over and was bowled away at the servants, and this and that and the other, there is no record where she said, and by the way, wow, what about the lily work? So the craftsmen sat home that night Nobody said thank you for that. Nobody acknowledged that it was even there. They praised the gold here and the silver line this and the vessels of that. But there were some things that was completely out of the sight of man. I want to tell you what you do, do it for God. Do it for God. And then when nobody slaps you on the back and tells you what a wonderful person you are, it won't hurt your feelings because I wasn't doing it for them anyway. I was doing this for God. I was doing it for God. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.